It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 202 for July 25th, 2010. Recorded July 23rd. Do you have room for six monitors on your desk? I do. A few weeks ago, I described the luxury of having a nearly 24-inch monitor on the desk at home. And then, later, I mentioned the even greater luxury of having two monitors on the desk at the office. Not as big, but two monitors. It would be wonderful to have a second monitor at home, but there's really not enough space for another almost... 24-inch monitor. So, instead, I have six. Virtually. The key term there is virtually. I really don't have six monitors on the desk, but I do have six computer desktops on the monitor that's sitting on my desk, all this thanks to desk space. This doesn't offer all the advantages of having a second physical screen. For example, I can't drag some of the clutter off the main screen placing it on a second screen where it's still visible while I'm working on the first screen. But it does allow a user to set up optimized workspaces that contain just the applications needed for a specific task. You might, for example, have a desktop that holds your word processor and an online dictionary. You might have another that contains an Excel spreadsheet and a Telnet session to the office. And a third might have a full-screen iTunes session, so when you want to kick back and relax, you can watch the videos. Moving from one screen to another is fun, too. In fact, it's entertaining. If you have enough CPU speed and enough video processing power, at least, each desktop can have its own background. Don't try that if you're on a machine with limited video hardware, 2 gigabytes of RAM, and a mediocre processor. But if you have the hardware to support it, the animation is impressive, as you'll see in a video that's included with this week's program. I have to apologize a little bit for the video. It is somewhat shaky. I think that's because it's actually been downsampled three times. It was downsampled once from full screen size when Screencast-O-Matic created the downloadable file. It was downsampled yet again when I exported the video from Adobe Premiere to an MP4 format, and it was downsampled one more time when Vimeo crunched it to fit. But take a look, it's only about three minutes long, and it lets you see how desk space works. I describe in the video how you can use the control and windows key along with the arrow keys to move from one screen to another. If you want to move directly to a specific screen, say you're on screen one and you want to move to screen three, you can do that in one action with control shift and the number three key. Or you can just press and hold the control key and the windows key and then use your mouse to spin the six-sided desktop cube, looks a lot like an overgrown die, until you find the desktop you're looking for. It's a pretty cool program. Bottom line, three cats, I'll tell you why in just a second, you can organize your desktop with a lot more desktops. I consider it to be a good, solid application, probably the best desktop multiplier I've ever seen, and I have seen quite a few of these because I like the idea. Occasionally, though, it does seem to lose track of an icon in the tray or on the taskbar. You can always activate the application associated with the icon by clicking the desk space tray icon, selecting the application there. 
Overall, it's a great way to organize multiple workspaces without having to cover the entire desk with monitors. The program is by Otaku out of Australia, and you'll find a link to their website from the TechBiter Worldwide website. I've talked about the 64-bit version of Windows previously, and I have some statistics here. Not quite 1% of Windows XP users installed the 64-bit version. So that left, a little quick math here, yep, 99% of Windows XP users on the 32-bit version. About 11% of the people who bought Vista installed the 64-bit version. That's the version of Vista that actually more or less worked. Well, now that Windows 7 is out, 64-bit usage is way up. In fact, it's hovering just below the 50% mark. 64-bit penetration for Windows 7 is more than four times what it was for Vista. If you haven't yet migrated to Windows 7, consider this a very strong indication that spending a little extra for a 64-bit system, and I mean the hardware, the operating system costs the same, and the additional memory will be worthwhile. Microsoft blogger Brandon LeBlanc wrote about the phenomenon recently. As he put it, and I quote, with Windows 7, running a 64-bit operating system is becoming the norm. Intel has prepared a white paper on 64-bit operating systems. Now, Intel offers hardware for both 32- and 64-bit systems, so the recommendations are based more on customer satisfaction than on market share. In other words, you can trust them. Probably the best way to get to Windows 7 64-bit is by replacing an existing computer. But if you have a reasonably recent machine, one that's been purchased in the past year or so, and it's already running a 64-bit version of Vista or a 64-bit version of XP, try the Windows 7 Upgrade Advisor. When you buy a new PC with any version of Windows 7 except Starter, you will receive both 32- and 64-bit versions of the operating system on the installation DVD. So the only question will be whether your hardware can support 64-bit systems. I've written previously about converting to a 64-bit operating system, and I've noted that there are a few bumps along the road. So far, they've all been small enough to ignore, particularly in light of the advantages you get from running a 64-bit operating system. The primary advantage is more memory. I installed 8 gigabytes of RAM, and the performance difference is clearly visible. If I had it to do again, I might go to 12 or even 16, but we'll save that for a future upgrade. This year, a lot of people who have put off upgrading their computers are expected to upgrade, and that seems to be being borne out in the marketplace. If you are in that group, the folks thinking about upgrading, be sure to evaluate 64-bit systems to determine whether the way you use your computer would benefit from being 64. If you'd like to read Brandon LeBlanc's full article, you'll find a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Founder and CEO of Amazon.com, Jeff Bezos, said something both surprising and expected this week. He said that Amazon now sells more electronic books than hardcover books. Now, that may seem shocking, but we know the print industry has been in decline for many years. So it may be surprising that this is happening so soon, but it shouldn't be too surprising. And when you consider how carefully Bezos worded the sentence... Maybe it's not surprising at all. Let's parse the statement. It's provided by Amazon's PR department. 
and I quote, We've reached a tipping point with the new price of Kindle. The growth rate of Kindle device unit sales has tripled since we lowered the price from $259 to $189. That first sentence is just where Amazon flogs the new lower-priced Kindle. It's this second part of the statement that interests me. And again, I quote, In addition, even while our hardcover sales continue to grow, the Kindle format has now overtaken the hardcover format. Amazon.com customers now purchase more Kindle books than hardcover books. Astonishing when you consider we've been selling hardcover books for 15 years and Kindle books for 33 months. End quote. That second sentence interests me because it begins with, even while our hardcover sales continue to grow. Note that the statement specified hardcover books. These are books that have been hit hardest as consumers move to lower-priced paperback books. Bezos didn't say all books, just hardcover books. Even so, that's quite a feat. Sales of Kindle books do now exceed the sales of hardcovers, at least at Amazon.com. Amazon's statement says that over the past three months, for every 100 hardcover books the company has sold, it has sold 143 Kindle books. That's almost a 50% increase. Over the past month, for every 100 hardcover books Amazon has sold, it has sold 180 Kindle books. That's almost a full 100% increase. The statement says that this is across Amazon.com's entire U.S. book business and includes sales of hardcover books where there is no Kindle edition. Free Kindle books are excluded, and if included, would, of course, make the number even higher. So the trend is clearly upward. But let's face it, the readers are becoming easier to use, easier to read, and less expensive. You can replace a $30 book with a $10 electronic copy. Yes, you probably don't want to read a Kindle in the bathtub, but most people read in more places than just the bathtub. Electronic readers are fine for most of those places. According to the Association of American Publishers, e-book sales grew 163% in May and 207% year-to-date through May. And that got me to wondering about newspapers. Where does that leave newspapers? Many have announced that they will begin charging for web access... The Columbus Dispatch this week, in fact, on the heels of a hefty price increase for home delivery, announced an online version that looks just like the print version and is available to print subscribers for free. Two points of interest. First, the online version doesn't just look like the print version. It looks a lot better. Many of the photos and most of the ads are in color because color doesn't cost any more to produce on the web. Second, you can subscribe to just the online version for $8 per month instead of $28 per month for the print version. doesn't take a math genius to see that the online version costs less than one-third of what the print version does. This kind of pricing makes sense, and I hope it works because I don't want to see newspapers go away. For all their faults, newspapers still generally provide the most balanced and complete coverage of local, state, national, and international news. Radio can't do it. Television won't do it. So losing the people who have traditionally been called print journalists, I think, would be bad. Some of the largest costs involved in creating a daily newspaper have nothing to do with the news itself. The paper must be printed. That involves paper, ink, presses, physical locations, and press operators. 
and the papers must be distributed using trucks, automobiles. They are put in plastic bags, and carriers deliver them. Eliminating these costs would allow the paper, so to speak, to be distributed electronically at a far lower cost. Could it be that the dispatch's big increase for the print version is intended to push more people away from having a paper version delivered daily? I've been looking at the online version this week. The user interface is quite good. This might work. Those of us who are, oh, say, 50 or older will probably still want a printed version. But given the price differential, everything could change, and change quickly. In short circuits, if you are still using Windows XP with Service Pack 2, it is time for an upgrade right now. Computer World recently included a story that actually stopped me short. Microsoft has ended all support for Windows XP Service Pack 2. It wasn't the fact that support has ended that surprised me. It's the fact that anybody would still be running XP with Service Pack 2. After all, Service Pack 3 was released more than two years ago. Service Pack 2 was released in 2004. If you're still running XP with Service Pack 2, you will receive no more upgrades, and that includes security upgrades. So if you're not yet ready for Windows 7, you should at least upgrade your system to Service Pack 3. That'll buy you almost another four years of support from Microsoft. There is one exception. If you install the 64-bit version of XP, you're in that 1% of the population who did that, and you upgraded to Service Pack 2, then your operating system will continue to be supported until 2014. That's because Microsoft never released a Service Pack 3 for the 64-bit version of XP. After all, it was in use by only 1% of the people who had XP. Some people who had an irrational fear of the security measures added in Service Pack 3 turned off updating. Those folks so far have missed some 1,200 bug fixes. You can obtain Service Pack 3 for free. Just download it from Microsoft's website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Or you can pay Microsoft 4 bucks, and they'll send it to you on a CD. Or just talk to one of your techie friends, who will probably be able to find a dusty copy somewhere on a back shelf and be able to make a copy for you. But if you must stick with Service Pack 2 on Windows XP for some reason, perhaps an application you have won't run on a later version, then Computer World has some suggestions that will help make your system more secure. There's a link to those suggestions from the TechBiter Worldwide website. The suggestions range from getting rid of antiquated and insecure browsers, such as Internet Explorer 6, 7, or 8, to making sure that you keep browser plugins patched. By the way, a hint here, Firefox does that automatically. Or also, a suggestion would be to update the applications you use to make sure you have the latest patches for those, too. So take some time and check out that part of the article, even if you're using another operating system. It contains good ideas, even if you're running good old Windows Lucky 7. It's a much more secure version, but security is never perfect. Quick final reminder, if you try going to technologycorner.com or 610tech.net, you will find that they're not there anymore. The last year that Technology Corner was on 610 WTVN was 2006. Since then, it's been TechBiter Worldwide. This month, the old domain names, technologycorner.com and 610tech.net, have become history. 
If you're still using either one of them, please, please upgrade your link to TechBiter.com. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.TechBiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.